Hey father, hey son, making a podcast sure sounds fun. Set up the mics, grab a cup of joe, and let's see how it goes. Welcome back to another episode of We Were Thinking, and today we were thinking about worship. You know, Matt, as a worship leader, when I start thinking about uh, the word worship and everything, and you being a worship leader, I know you're passionate about worship and leading worship songs at a church and camps and retreats and revival settings. So what comes to mind to you when you hear the word worship? Music. Straight music. I mean, you think about the fact that uh, back in the day when you used to go into um, Lifeway or a Christian bookstore or something like that, you'd have a whole section called worship. And what was it? CDs, tapes, songbooks. It was nothing but music. And when you hear worship, you know, you think about worship band or worship music, it's always music tied directly with the word worship. You know, the Christian church has always been about music because when you start looking at what took place in scripture and, and the whole book of Psalms and things of that nature. So we know that we're always going to be talking about music and singing songs and having times of worship. But you know, really, uh, one of the things that I always like to look at as I'm getting ready to talk about something is, let's make sure we're on the same sheet of music, pun intended, by the way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so let's make sure that we're on the same sheet of music, so to speak, when it comes to worship. So honestly, I went back and looked up what is biblically defined as worship. And so we're going to enter into some of this muddy waters that everybody's so passionate about when it comes to this thing called music and worship and all that kind of thing. But what is worship? So I found three or four things that I just want to share with us so that we can get going in the right direction. And the first thing I'd like to say about worship is it says it's the odd response to the saving acts and the praiseworthy character of God. And when I look at that, it's this this response and my gratitude and my being thankful to the saving act, my salvation, and, and I get all excited about my salvation. I've been walking with him now for 50 years, and I get all excited about that. And I do give praise to God and his character for who he is. He is loving. He is gracious. Uh, he is forgiving. Uh, he's also a God of judgment. But when I think about all these things that I can praise God for, that gets me all excited in this thing called worship. Now, the second thing and it's a word we don't usually use a whole lot. It says homage, uh, render to God, uh, which is a sinful idolatry, to render it to any created being. Okay, let me break that down a little bit. Basically, <laughs> what it's saying is, yeah, really what it's saying is that it is sinful for us to give that praise, to give that worship, to give that, uh, that awe-inspiring moments to something other than God. That, in other words... Uh, to give that which I used to give to myself, sin, self, and Satan, so to speak, and I give that to God, that changes everything, and that's really where worship begins to take place. Um, so that's what I got to do. I got to give that to God. We talked about rendering that to God, it's, you know, getting it down to its basic form. Uh, and thirdly, I, I think it also means to acknowledge that God is the King of Kings. He, he's living, and He lives in light. He lives in truth. He lives in in, within himself in the Trinity. So when you think about worship, when it comes to the Trinity of God and the power of his Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and then you think about the things up in heaven 
and uh, what the Bible tells us about what takes place in heaven, what it looks like in some of the descriptions. And Paul says, eyes not seen, ears not heard. Even You can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Man, I get excited about being able to worship him when I start thinking about that. And then the fourth thing that I would say about worship, just so it gives us some things to talk about, it means to give thanks or praise, to offer sacrifices, to bow down before God, or simply just being obedient. That's really what worship comes down to. Mm. And when it says that bowing down thing, I did this as a youth sermon years and years ago when it came to worship, is imagine that you have John in the book of Revelation. It says that when he sees Jesus in this glorified body, he falls at his feet. Okay, that's what worship is. We really bow down and fall in worship before him. That's what we're talking about when it comes to worship. Now, here's something that I didn't say. I never said singing. I never said music. And I never said a style. That's where we get into these muddy waters when it comes down to worship. So run back over those four really, really quick because it's easy for us to go, yeah, but I mean, it's still music, right? So you said, so what was that first one? The first one is this odd response for the saving acts. So I'm okay. just in awe of him. The second one is to give him homage that I used to give to me, but I now give it to him. And the mm-hmm. third one is just acknowledging him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then last is giving him praise and sacrifices and bowing down before God Almighty and being obedient. Those are mm. the things that are called worship. Man, the, the fact that you, you go into it, it's acts of worship. We hear that phrase. You know, acts of worship. And in our minds, it's like, well, yeah, you got a song and then you got another song and then maybe you've got a a dance or interpretive movement or a video or something like that. But it's like, no, no, no. Obedience, homage, awe, the, you know, just taking time to just look at how great he is and, and how wonderful and how great that God, that this God is. It's amazing how it brings out the creative aspects of us. Um, and I think that's why we always go to music because, well, A, that's what we've always known. And um, B, it's also easy because it's like, I, I can remember uh, when I was in high school, I had a friend that was in uh, a different denomination than me and their denomination didn't focus so much on the instrumental part of worship and everything. And I can remember telling them, Hey, I'm going to go to school to be a worship leader. And they're like, why? All you do is pick a song. And I think that that's a big deal because I mean, like even when you were a kid, you know, you didn't have worship leaders. You had the guy that picks the song. Yeah. We had a song leader. That's what we had. We didn't have worship leaders. And you and I have had this conversation for a long period of time. There's a big difference between a song leader and a worship leader. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I think that, you know, you and I've had that conversation many, uh, many years where, um, anybody can pick a song, anybody can lead a song, but not anybody can lead in worship. So what does that mean? When is, when does music become worship? And so where do we go from here? So now we've got these four things about worship. What now? Well, I think what you, you, a couple of things you said. One is that you talk about this whole creative part and where it brings that ability and, 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 and it gets you all excited about it. You said interpretive movement, or I think of an artist or someone who writes a song or someone who sings or plays musical instruments. All those things are creative things. Well, go back to Genesis. We are creative in the image of God. Our God is a creative God. If you don't believe me, he's a creative God, then just look around that everything he's created and it's wonderful. And man was very good when he created uh, when he created man. So we want to go back and worship him. Now, while and I said that it's not music and it's not singing, it can be. 
And the, re- and the reason that it can be is what it does is those things bring me into his very presence because it's like creating a song that I want to sing to to someone that I love. I think of my spouse, your mom, if I was to write her a poem or to write her um, a song to let her know how much I love her. There's nothing wrong with that. The song itself doesn't say I love her, but it is an expression of my love to her. Well, and, and I think that um, some of the scriptures that you've got, uh, that we've, we've kind of talked about before, is you find it even coming from God. Um, and I think that uh, you reminded me of this, this verse, Zephaniah 3.17, that you've, uh, we've got in our notes here, because this, this one, I, I, I never really pondered it. Uh, Chris Rice actually put it in a song one time, and I know I've used him before, but I just love the way he writes and the way he used scripture. And one of the things that he says is, you've been singing over me. I was like, God doesn't sing. Oh, yes, he does. Zephaniah 317, um, it says he is a mighty savior. He will live or he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Not only does God sing in a creative way, he is also singing over you, which is that's just, that's just amazing, and that's why we turn and we worship Him. What is the what is the longest book of the Bible? It's Psalms. It is all of these. Now we see them as poetry because we didn't we didn't have we don't know what the musical terms are or the musical instruments or, but it was songs. And I I think you're right that it's it doesn't have to be music. But when we we write these songs. It's out of that creative aspect. Like you said, our God is a creative God, and we are creators. And you may be a kind of person who's like, I can't draw. I can't play an instrument. I can't whatever. Maybe not, but you can recognize the creative uh, nature of our God with every sunrise, with every sunset, with every snowfall. Have you ever stood at the foot of a massive waterfall and just been inspired to just think of, wow, how great God is, that's because he's creative, right? Yeah, and, and I also say this, that's where for us, for those of us who may not write music or sing or play musical instruments, I get to enjoy the creativity that you have as you put those things together, and it does draw me into that sense of worship. And, and the other thing that's kind of cool about it, because, of course, i got to bring into the Word and the Scripture. Uh, in Job, I love this text. It's 138.7. I pulled it up out of Amplified. It says this. It said, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God, the angels shouted for joy. Now, the morning stars sang together. I know it could be angels. I know it could be different things. But let's assume for a moment that it is stars. Okay? I, I want you to catch this. And for those listeners, that you're listening to this, you're thinking, okay, he's going off a deep end. Join me. The water's great. Okay. I got no problem with this. But the Bible says there that the stars sing over us. And today, as I was going back and look at this, I said, did you know that scientists have found out that every star in every galaxy has its own musical sound? It has its own radio frequencies. They're different, uh, different levels, high and low and this kind of stuff. And in essence, they actually are singing over us in some music. In fact, you can go to YouTube and after you listen to this, somebody's going to do this. I guarantee it. But you can pull it up. It's called Space Music, Space, Stars, and Planets. And they put together music with the notes and the sounds of the stars and galaxies. And I've got to be honest with you, 
it is probably one of the most soothing things that I've listened to in a long time. Now that's cool. I just pulled it up today and I was like, okay, if I'm going to talk about this, I got to make sure it's really what I, I think it is. Well, I can remember, do you remember when we went to, um, we were on a mission trip and we ended up getting a chance to go to Washington, D.C. We went to the Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian. And I can remember that there was a clock sitting there and they were talking about how they use the pulses of the stars and all this. And they had a speaker there and you could hear it and it would just boom, boom, boom. And it was just this thump that you could hear. And it was like the order and the beauty of the fact that there was audible sound coming from the stars that says this is... Um, I mean, the stars are literally singing the praises of God. And here's the cool part. We just discovered this. How long have they been making that music? Right, right. Since the very <laughs> beginning of creation, when God, when God spoke it all into existence. And even as you were doing that with that downbeat, you could take those sounds and with the synthesizer, with those downbeats and with those highs and those lows. And I'm telling you, it's probably one of the greatest worship songs that God ever created mm. and you as a as a worship leader or someone who writes music and does this sort of thing you're reflecting back the character of God which goes back to what I said a moment ago that's part of worship that's now where it had, comes from you you had another illustration so you're talking about God sings over us stars sing over us and you're talking about singing over our children right right yeah we do, <laughs> we do this even even if you could be at like three o'clock in the morning and you're just sleep deprived. You can't sing at all. What do you do? You're humming. You're singing. You're singing these songs. And what's really neat is how one of the other things I love about music in the aspect of worship is I was talking to somebody just the other day about the memorization that it puts in us. I can remember songs that you sang to me and you always say that you're not a musician or whatever, but I remember the songs that you would sing over me that I sing over my own children. Um, first John four, seven and eight. Well, I memorized that scripture. Why? Because I learned it as a song. Well, uh, I remember um, vacation Bible school. I would sing these songs at my church and other friends' churches where we would sing these songs and it, but it was straight scripture and the scripture is what became um, embedded in my head. It's, it's to a tune, but that's because I'm a musician and that's the way I remember it. But I think that the music also is a great memorization aid. And like you said, we sing, you know, God sings over us. The stars are singing out to God and we sing over our children to comfort them, um, whether or not we can sing. You know, sometimes it's, it's just in the nature of who we are, because as we said, we have a creative God. Absolutely. And when we when we're singing over our children, we're not doing it because we're mad they're up at two o'clock in the morning. We're not doing it because we're upset with them. We do that because we love them. And, and we're not performing. That? No, it's not a performance. Right. It is a relationship. And we got to get back into that whole relationship when it comes to God and, and uh, how we worship him. And uh, one of the things I really wanted to share uh, today, and that is this, that um, I think that we get real upset sometimes about worship in church environments and church settings is because we don't understand what what we're really arguing or, or being upset about or whatever. And, you know, I, I learned a long time ago from a dear friend of mine. He was a former pastor of mine, Bill Fort. And, um, and I want to give him credit where credit is due, but he preached a sermon at my church where I was on staff. And he preached this sermon some eight years ago now at, at the time of us recording this podcast. And he said, there's two terms that we got to get to when it comes to worship. 
and this has spoken volumes to me and has really helped me more than anything else. So I want to I want to go over these just real quick. But one of those is the expression of worship. What do I mean by expression? I think that's where we get into the thing of a style. This is the way I like it. I like this music, you like that music. And so what we do is then we get into my personal preferences or what I like and what I don't like. Then unfortunately, what happens in the American church is if you don't like my music, you don't like me. And yeah. that's and that's not that's not what we're looking at, but that's unfortunately that's where we get into a lot of times where we're talking about what I like, what my preferences are. That's okay. Everybody has an opinion about different things, but when it comes to this thing called worship, we get into this thing of going, I want it to be my way or no way at all, and that part's not right. The second yeah. thing is, go ahead. No, 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 you're exactly right. I'm just going to say, you know, that you're exactly right. It's it's the essence versus the expression and, and the fact that it's, we turn, when we do that, we're turning the attention away from the intended uh, worshiped one, and that's God, and we turn it onto ourselves. How many times have you walked away from a worship service or a, you know, a, a Sunday morning gathering or whatever it is, and you turn to your spouse or you turn to your friend, and you're like, worship was kind of lacking today, or... I just didn't really get into the worship. And what we're saying is that wasn't my style. Yeah. And when we don't get into it for our style, here's the question. Did you worship? Remember, mm -hmm. it's not about music. It's not about singing. Now, those things are like uh, uh, the, the avenues that take us into the presence of God to worship him. But the essence of worship, being in his presence, praising him for who he is, you know, I'm afraid in our American churches today, especially in American churches, maybe worldwide, I don't know, but we've got into a thing now where that we worship worship. Mm. And what I mean by that is uh, I, I like that music or that was a good song or that was a good set or everything really flowed or the show was really good or the mm. performance was there. Well, I don't think we're worshiping God. I think we're worshiping the worship set that we've put together. Now, I know that's a term that worship leaders use, and I don't want to, you know, be disparaging to anybody. I'm just saying that sometimes we hit our mark, we got the right song, and I'm all for that. But did we really worship, or are we worshiping the worship? Okay, so that's, a, that's one thing. The other thing is the essence of worship. When I come into his presence, there are sometimes, Matt, I, it's... It's not praise God, it's oh me, because I am undone. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I, Isaiah oh. chapter six, yes. So all of a sudden, that's worship, but that's not one of those praise the Lord and everything was great and every song was upbeat and everything was wonderful, but it's still worship because I got to reflect his character and his character is he is a holy and righteous God. Well, it's like it goes back to what you were saying, those first four things that you were talking about. You were talking about the awe and paying homage. All of those things are humbling. We we tend to get into these moments where it becomes about me. I have the hardest time with people that are making it about themselves. Oh, I, I clapped the loudest. I sang the loudest. I did this. Well, or the phrase that I and this this may offend some people because you may use this phrase, but this one has always bothered me. I've had people look at me and they're like, you know, I'm getting ready to get on stage to lead worship at an event or something like that, and they're like, oh man, I can't wait to get my worship on. 
And that's always, that's never sat well with me. And I know what they're saying. I know what they're saying. And I understand their heart and they don't mean it this way. I know what they're saying is, I can't wait to worship God. I can't wait to sing songs to him. But when you say, I can't get, I can't wait to get my worship on, that's twice in the same sentence you've used personal pronouns about worshiping God. I can't wait to get my praise on. And it's never set well with me because to me, that completely twists and distorts what we're doing when in truth we should be coming before the throne of God and say, I have nothing to give. There's a great song that I love right now that's called uh, Gratitude. And it says, I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart that sings hallelujah, which is a phrase that says it's you not me. And I think that one of the things that we're missing in our worship right now is humility. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get excited about those things because I think that we're starting to get to the essence of worship. Mm. And when I'm in the presence of God, I can't come out of that unchanged. I mean, I've got to change. I've either got to get closer or I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips or I, I'm a sinner and I've got to deal with these things. The Holy Spirit is convicting me of this in my heart and my life. But something has got to change, and we cannot be like Jesus talking about the the uh, uh, who was it the publican and the sinner standing before God, and yes. one of them wouldn't even look up and, and say anything to the Lord or look up. He said, "Please, God, have mercy on me, a sinner." Whereas the other one was standing and kind of patting himself on the back about how good he was. Uh, which one of those was actually worshiping? the one that was broken and understood his need for God. So I think that when we come to this thing called worship, and we're talking about music at this point, we've really got to look at the difference. Are we talking about the expression or are the essence? And it's been my experience, and maybe I'm the only one because I've heard this sermon so many years ago, and I kind of filter through these things. Are we truly worshiping because we had the essence of worship and not talk about the performance, and that is the expression of worship in our hearts. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm going with it. And, and I guess another example of that would be the term that we use, kind of a side note, but maybe a better illustration is, is it the Lord's Supper or is it communion? I, I, I know what we're trying to say. We say, okay, well, this Sunday we're going to have communion. Well, maybe, because if we have the Lord's Supper, that is, we take the elements, you know, the bread and the juice, so that we can commune with God. But to say we're going to have communion up front may be a pretty bold statement on our part, because if I have sin in my heart and I'm broken or I have this against my brother or my sister, can I truly have communion with God when I have sin in my heart? Am I worshiping? I've actually heard I've heard you say that, and I, it's so funny because I've always called it, I, you know, I call it communion because of that idea of communion. And and I remember not too long ago you saying that you're like, I don't like the term communion. I like to call it Lord's Supper. And I remember thinking, well, but but it's so much more reverent to call it communion. But when you explain it that way, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. We're giving people an opportunity to commune with God. But man, that's pretty bold to say, oh, we're going to communion with God. It's like saying, hey, we're going to have a revival next Tuesday night. Are we? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have a meeting, yeah. but you're not going to dictate whether it's revival. You can call it that and everything, but that's that's 
that's really good. I like that, Dad. Yeah, and, and I think that's where we've got to get back to when we come to worship on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And let's just go ahead and say Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday, because we really need to worship Him at all times. We set aside those times for a corporate worship. That is the environment so that we might be able to worship Him. But we need to be having personal worship with Him as well. Now, if that's music, that's great. If it's not music, that's great too. You talk about the sunrise, the sunset, standing on top of a mountain, watching the sunrise, just you and God, to me is one of the most incredible times of worship. And I don't sing one note. I don't hear one song. Sometimes I just stand there and my eyes fill up with tears, not because it's cold, but because my God, my Savior, my Creator, He made all those things for me that I could enjoy. That is relationship. And I worshiped Him in those particular moments. So I think we got to get back to the essence of worship. So what do you think about how, how do we get past this? Because we talk about worship wars, right? We hear this phrase worship wars and it's mean, it has meant different things. Um, I think right now in the, um, you know, the early 2020s, um, there's a different worship war that's going on that we'll leave for another day. Um, that's a whole podcast topic on its own, but, um, I remember when I was growing up, there was worship wars in the 90s, and uh, the 90s was um, hymns versus what we called at the time choruses, hymns sure. versus choruses. And it's really funny because not too long ago, I was helping um, some of your students lead worship at an event, and um, they were doing a, a song from that time, late 90s, early 2000s, and it was a verse and a chorus, and that was it. And uh, one of your students was like... Um, well, I guess that's the end of the song. I'm like, no, 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 no. You read, you sing the verse a couple of times. You sing the chorus because the new songs are there's four verses, there's two different choruses, there's a bridge, there may be a second bridge, and then we, and the songs are 15 minutes long, and it's well, that's just where we're at right now, and it's just a different style. And but anyway, back in the 90s, there was a big difference in worship wars, and that one was to me was a little bit more. It was less on style, and and a lot of it really was on expression. Uh, because of the different aspects of God that were being focused on. And you said something really, really cool that I wanted to make sure that we got to about um, churches that are steeped in one uh, style or one tradition, um, and then when God starts to move. Yeah, uh, it's been my experience, at least I've watched this over the number of years that I've been around. Uh, I can recall going to several churches where uh, we'll just say it's all hymn-based. Nothing wrong with that. But it was all hymns, and uh, is a piano. Uh, there might be a guitar, probably not, but usually guitar, organ, uh, and a piano, and that's about it. And they would sing the the songs of the faith. They would have the hymnal, turning your hymnal to such and such, and they would sing those hymns. And it was wonderful, and that's the way it was. But there would be somebody that would say, "Hey, I would really like for us to start doing some choruses." Well, what I what I saw taking place was those people that were singing choruses. So, if you want to call it contemporary. But the people that were leading it either didn't like them or they didn't know how to do them. So they did them very poorly. And I mean, they would do they would butcher it up really bad. Churches that would sing more contemporary or chorus or upbeat songs somewhere along the way, they're leaving out the richness of all the the, the tried and true hymns. Uh, of the ages that we have that we have been able to sing for years and years and years. So uh, they, so then what they would do is they would try to bring up and sing a hymn. Well, it's a different tempo. It's a different time. It gets different everything. It, it, 
and it's horrible. They, they just kind of butchered it. And uh, it was either too fast or the wrong tune or they couldn't do it. And so the folks that were singing contemporary didn't like the hymns because it didn't sound good. Those that really liked the hymns didn't like the fact they butchered it, messed it up. So we just make everybody angry. Okay. You know, that was the funniest thing is I can remember people, uh, even when I was just getting into the worship leadership um, world, I had people that were like, well, we really want to do blended services. And I'd be like, I'm out. I can't do that. And the reason I'm, I can't do that is because, um, like you said, nobody ends up happy. What happens is everybody ends up mad because, like you said, the contemporary people think that we're not doing enough contemporary and then the 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 traditional think we're doing too much contemporary and instead of making everybody happy you make everybody mad and and people would always come to me and they'd be like well where do you stand on the worship wars where should we be doing all hymns or should we do in all uh contemporary and i would always say well both and they would always say you know well that's a cop-out no it's not because i think that the the hymns i grew up with the hymns that's all i knew and I, and I remember when the choruses and the contemporary started to, to come in. But I'm so thankful for that. And um, I can remember, <laughs> I remember, um, much to your delight, we were on a road trip somewhere and we happened to have a hymnal. And my sister and I took that hymnal and started at number one, which in that Baptist hymnal was holy, holy, holy. And we started with that one and we would sing all four verses. And then we turn to the next one and go, oh, we know this one. And then we'd sing that one, all the verses. And then and we would do that and do that. And finally, I think we got to like 30 or 40 and you're like, okay, okay, let's let's take a break. Let's take a break. Because we were doing all of them, full verse, full voice, harmony, everything, you know. Um, and, and so I'm very thankful for that. But what the old hymns tend to focus on is the might and the majesty and the power and the authority of God which is wonderful, as we were speaking of in those four things, the homage and the paying honor to God. But then you also have the uh, contemporary side. And, and when the contemporary side came along, that's when you started getting Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my intimate fellow. He's, he's somebody who's walking beside me. He's the one who's right with me. And, and it's that really getting into the intimacy of the relationship with Jesus. But the problem is, if you go one way or the other, you use you lose aspects of God. If he, if he's nothing but a friend, which is true, if he's your friend and he's your confidant and he is your your almost almost like a lover in, in some of these languages, um, you miss out on the fact that he's also your creator and he's sovereign and he's the authority, and therefore he's in charge, not you. On the other hand, if you go all the way to the old traditional, all that kind of stuff, and nothing else, you tend to forget that he is right beside you. Yes, he's this great, mighty, incredible, wonderful being, but you forget that he also loves you. So I think you got to have both of them to get a full, rounded picture of the true nature and the true personality of who God is. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you that there are some songs that will do, you know, Amazing Grace is an old, tried and true, wonderful hymn of the faith. But when, when uh, I guess it's Chris Tomlin, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I saw he added and changed it a little bit. And, and I actually heard people make this statement. Uh, to a worship leader as they started singing that song. They're both wonderful songs, and they're both needed so much. And I heard somebody say to him, said, I cannot believe you desecrated that song. I said, wait, 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 wait. 
you can't desecrate a man-made song. We're talking about God here. And I understand what they were trying to say. They love Amazing Grace as it was written. It's been that way for years and years and years. I get that. But they were try- they they almost made the song worship instead, once again, worshiping the worship instead of worshiping the Father. And I think that's where we really got to be careful when it comes back to this worship. And I don't care which side of the fence it is or which way this, the pendulum swings. Uh, I, I just think that we need to get back and focus on the essence of worship and connecting with Almighty God. In Psalms 139, that wherever I go, you're there. And um, where can I go to get away from your presence? Nowhere. The darkness is light to you. If I go to the highest mountain, Lord, listen, that's where worship really comes in is being in his presence. Not necessarily the style of the of the worship that I, uh, the worship songs that I'm trying to sing. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Uh, Join us next time. We're going to turn this one into a two-parter because uh, we got a lot more to say about worship. And next time, we're going to get a little bit more into what we mean when we talk about the essence and the expression of worship. Thanks for listening. Check out wewerethinking.org for more episodes or drop us a note to info at wewerethinking.org.